From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Well, this Canadian continues to explore cannabis culture as we come towards the end of 2018. That in itself is hard to believe. Welcome back. I'm glad you came back for episode five of the Cannabis Podcast. If this is your first episode, thank you for dropping on by. This is an exploration of Canadian cannabis culture from the perspective of a Canadian, and that would be me. This week, we have a focus on retail. Since a lot of our discussion up to this point has been, <laughs> if you can't access the cannabis, it's pretty hard to smoke it, consume it however you would like. That is slowly changing, and this week, we are going to focus on the retail landscape across Canada, more specifically here in the Okanagan, because lined up for our interviews today, I have Blake Laven. He is the planning manager for the city of Penticton. And I have, from the city of Kelowna, Ryan Smith, the community planning manager. And both of them are going to share their city's approach and ideas to cannabis legislation and retail outlets and where they see us and when they expect we might see stores here in the Okanagan. There was some amusing, or rather musings, of late that perhaps Lake Country was going to be available with a new store, perhaps sometime in the new year. That may still happen. But, in fact, I just spent the last few hours researching all of the numbers as they exist today for retail outlets, and the place in Lake Country is not currently on the list, so... That may still be a while. Can you believe, well, I can't believe, that British Columbia has probably the smallest number, if you discount none of it, where everything is online, and Ontario where everything is online. We have the smallest number of stores of any province in the country as of this stage. We just got our fourth. There is a store uh, that has their license now. I think they opened last Saturday. On 4th Avenue in Vancouver. Now that's irony. (laughs) 4th Avenue in the 60s and early 70s in Vancouver used to be the place to go to get your cannabis. And now, lo and behold, you can go to a legal cannabis store on 4th Avenue in Vancouver. So that brings in British Columbia a total of four private stores. Still just the one government store. That is the one in Kamloops. But our four private stores, now there's two in Kimberley. Something is really happening in Kimberley, I've got to say. One way up north in Pouscoupe, or Pouscoupe, as they like to call it, and the one previously mentioned just got their license and just opened this last Saturday in Kitsilano in Vancouver. That's four in the province of British Columbia, the entire province. Okay, five if you include the B.C. government store in Kamloops. But still, as I'm going down my list, Calgary in and of itself has more than we have in the entire province. There are seven stores of one particular company in Calgary, and we have five in BC. So let's take a look across the country. Here's the the lowdown of cannabis retailers across Canada at the end of 2018. As mentioned in BC, so we have the four private ones and one government liquor store. In Alberta, they are all private, as I was able to determine. Now, if some of this information is not accurate, don't blame me. I'm not the de facto standard for which province, where you can buy it, and how you can buy it. 
I expect you to do your own research on that. This is basically the summary that I had collected of all the stores that are available. And that's simply what I search for. The retail, cannabis retail locations in each particular province and territory. And here are the results. Alberta, 65, believe it, 65 across the entire province. That's how many cannabis retailers they have. Astounding, again, when I come back to five in British Columbia. Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan is doing pretty good, too. Saskatoon has two stores. Regina has three stores. Moose Jaw has two stores. You add all those up together with the other ones across the province. And in the province of Saskatchewan right now, you can find cannabis being sold at 15 different retailers. Let's move a little further east into Manitoba. Brandon, two stores. Winnipeg, nine stores 16 in total across the province in Winnipeg. Now, Ontario, as we've already mentioned, there's only one place to buy cannabis in Ontario. That is online at the OCS.ca. And that's a whole other episode to talk about the problems they've had since legalization on October 17th. Moving into Quebec, where, of course, everything is being controlled by the government, the Société Québécois du Cannabis, 12 stores across the province. Even though they are putting amazing restrictions, things like you can't even say the word cannabis or have pictures of the cannabis leaf and, and, and all of those things if you're selling bongs and such, but still 12 stores, 12 government stores for cannabis across the province of Quebec. Moving into New Brunswick. <laughs> Again, all of these numbers just astound me when I come back to BC, which and I know you've heard me say it before, but for goodness sakes, we are the home of BC bud. When legislation happened, we should have been at the forefront of this, and we are way at the back of the train. New Brunswick, 20 stores across the province. There's two in Fredericton, two in Moncton, two stores in St. John, 20 stores across the province. Moving into Nova Scotia, where it is the Nova Scotia Liquor Control that is running all the stores, but they seem to be doing a pretty good job because they've got 12 of them across the country. 12 in Nova Scotia! Just astounds me. Prince Edward Island, as we continue our work, look east. Four stores. There's one in Charlottetown, Summerside, Montague, and West Prince region. Four in Prince Edward Island. Moving into Newfoundland, where we have talked with a couple of people. We've talked with Ian Power in our very first episode. Last week, we talked with Thomas H. Clark. Newfoundland, 25 stores they currently have across the province that are selling cannabis. Astounding. Cornerbrook has two stores. St. John's has six stores. Let's move up to the Yukon. Now, this makes me feel a little better. Only from the perspective of there is at least another territory or province that has worse access than we do. Yukon has one store. There is only one store that I was able to locate that is in, in Whitehorse, and it is the Government Cannabis Yukon store. Northwest Territories, there's five across the territory. And now Nunavut, which is the last place that we will take a peek at, they are only doing online sales, so there are no physical stores. That is your retail outlook across Canada at the end of 2018. We are two and a half months into legalization of cannabis. And as you can tell by, by that summary of where these stores are, there is such a mishmash of accessibility to cannabis across our country. Let's hope that 2019, things get a lot better than they are now. 
From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. And somehow it seems appropriate, with the Cannabis Podcast being centered in the Okanagan region of British Columbia, after we've had a big discussion about retail across the country, that we now take a look at what's happening with retail here in the Okanagan. And I'm very pleased that I have two people from two of the major cities in the Okanagan. The city of Penticton, Blake Laven, is here. And from the city of Kelowna, Ryan Smith will be here for an interview a little bit later. In each case, they tell us about what the plans their city has for getting cannabis retailers established within their city limits. We're going to start down with the city of Penticton. Blake Laven is the planning manager for the city of Penticton, who graciously gave us some time to answer some of our questions. And I started off with probably the biggest question of them all. What impact has cannabis legalization had on the city of Penticton? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I guess when the uh, announcement about pending legalization happened back in during the after the 2015 election, mm-hmm. uh, we really didn't know what effect that would have um, at at the local level. I bet. Um, and as the task force was working on their work at the at the federal level, um, the picture became, I guess, clearer and clearer as we uh, got closer to when actual legalization was happening. Um, then I think things became really clear when uh, the, the federal government basically outlined their framework for how it would work with the, the federal government dealing with um, product quality, production, advertising rules, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it would be up to the provinces to deal with the distribution. Um, and then when the, the provincial government, the BC government, uh, outlined how they would be dealing with it by giving the local government uh, some control over how many shops they had in their communities and locations that, that those shops could be. I think that's when we really put our mind to creating some local policies and, and dealing with uh, the legalization question from both a retail storefront perspective as well as a public consumption perspective. What has been the biggest challenge for you, Blake, as, as you've been heading down this path? I think when, from the the staff level, when we're trying to create policy, um, it really is just all the competing interests. Uh, we have people at the city level that have their own opinions from our, you know, RCMP and bylaw officers and our other planning staff and our licensing uh, staff. Um, you know, so we're we're dealing with those competing interests. Uh, and then again, we have our business community. Uh, we have the prospective retailers. Uh, and city council. So I think everybody comes at it with a, a different perspective and a different um, end goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really trying to develop policy and come up with the ways that um, are going to sort of achieve the best interests of, of the entire community, um, where some of the loudest voices might not be uh, the ones that are, are necessarily leading to the to the best outcomes for the the overall community. So I think that's really the the biggest challenge is just uh, dealing with all the competing interests. Um, I I will have to say though, like as a a planning professional, this is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity that you have this, uh, you know, this massive underground um, industry that's being uh, brought into legitimacy and so much control at the local level over locations uh, of where these can be, uh, where this can happen. So I think with the amount of money that's involved and, and the amount of change that's happening, it's a really interesting time to be uh, involved in, in the policy development side of things. I bet it is for a professional like yourself, because as you say, you're probably not going to have another occurrence where something underground is now suddenly going to be legalized. Very good point. 
Have you had to hire any more staff, Blake, to in order to keep up with the demand? Um, we haven't we haven't hired any staff uh, yet, um, and I, I don't think we anticipate it. Um, our the, I, I think we plan to have this as a as a project this year, uh, and then coming into 2019 when we're going to be processing applications for the retail storefronts. Uh, I think we seeing a bit of a slowdown on the development side of things, so I think we can uh, deal with this with our existing staff levels. Oh, excellent! That's got to be that's got to feel good for you. Yeah, once once the stores are established, it's not going to be a lot of staff time on it. It's just going through the process of, of the applications for each individual store. How many applications have you received to date? Well, there's, I guess, two parts to that question. So we've received uh, referrals from the, the provincial government. So the provincial government is actually the licensing authority for retail storefronts. Right. Uh, the city of Penticton doesn't uh, issue cannabis licenses. Uh, we issue a business license at, at the end of the process, but really it is the provincial authority that says, yes, you can sell cannabis through a retail storefront. So we've had um, seven uh, stores referred to us from the provincial government. Okay. Uh, and we've also had the, the provincial government themselves uh, have expressed an interest in opening a BC cannabis store uh, in Penticton. Um, but through this, uh, the, the policy planning process, we have established a local application process, and that's the process that the stores will get their local government support. And we've received uh, three applications um, through that. Okay, and they need to have the government store. Okay, and they need to have that local government support before they go to the province to say, "I want to be a retailer." Is, is that correct? Uh, the, the way that it works is they would apply to the province, um, they start their application with the province, and once they reach a certain level of vetting, then the province sends a referral to the local government, and then that's really where we get involved. That's where um, we do our consultation with the public on that particular location, uh, and then we'll be making a recommendation to city council, and then council will pass a resolution either in support of a, a storefront at that location or... Uh, the alternative. Uh, and what we understand, or the way the legislation is written, the provincial legislation, uh, the province won't issue a license unless they get support for the location from the local government. One question that I have, and was talking to a number of people before sitting down for some of these interviews, and the question that keeps popping up is, both the city of Penticton and many places in the Okanagan had dispensaries that were on the illegal side of things before we came to legalization. Did you consult any of those retailers before figuring out what works best for Penticton, or is it, was it simply the people within your organization you consulted? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've been working with the retailers uh, since the first one opened in Penticton probably four or five years ago. Okay. Uh, we've had an interesting uh, experience with, with the retailers here. Uh, we had a, a cafe that opened up, and uh, it came to our attention that this this cafe was selling uh, cannabis uh, through through the cafe, and uh, we challenged their business license. And that process uh, really is an appeal to to city council, whereby our, our license inspector um, makes an, an application to city council to take away their business license for conducting. Uh, for whatever reason, in this case, it would be conducting a, an illegal operation. Right. Um, 
at that hearing for that business license cancellation, a lot of people in the community came out and said that uh, cannabis was an important um, for, for medical reasons was uh, important to their, their health and their lifestyle. And this uh, particular shop was, um, you know, important to their, their life. And I think council was very sympathetic to that, um, the, the response that was received. Okay. Um, so council actually directed staff to look at ways that we could license these stores prior to legalization happening. And we actually did uh, license three stores. Uh, we gave them business license through a temporary use permit, uh, which is uh, a process where you can uh, allow a use to happen when it doesn't meet zoning. Mm-hmm. So we actually did license for six months, three uh, cannabis dispensaries prior to legalization happening. And it wasn't unprecedented. Of course, uh, Victoria, Vancouver, a few other communities were doing a, a similar thing. Um, but then we had a few court challenges from uh, dispensaries that didn't receive licenses from us. Uh, of course. And uh, unfortunately, we had to, uh, uh, after the, the six months, uh, temporary use permits expired, we uh, we had to not extend them. Okay. But, you, but we, you, did, we did license them. Yeah, and it's nice to hear that, that you were you know, taking that knowledge into account as, as you look towards the future, so appreciate that. Yeah, and I think when, when we look at the people we did issue licenses to originally, uh, some of them have come forward to make applications to uh, open legitimate stores now through the, the provincial licensing. So I think uh, our goal was always not to prejudice people that had opened the stores previously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the idea is that we would treat them the same way that we treat any other applicants that, that came forward. So, uh, and we've certainly tried to keep keep the, um, the the people that were operating those businesses in the loop with what we were doing as far as the policy development. And they were given opportunities to uh, participate in the open houses and fill out the surveys and all the other ways that we were engaging the rest of the community as well. So if you had a crystal ball, when do you think the first retail outlet will be open in Penticton? What's your guess? <laughs> um, yeah, that's that, that's a tough question. I think uh, with what happened at the council meeting last night, where there's going to be another public hearing on the new amended bylaw that, that takes the, that Main Street prohibition out. Uh, so that public hearing will happen January 8th. Um, and then we've extended the the application window for the first uh, set of applicants out till February first. So we're going to see, um, yeah, we're going to see a lot of public consultation on the individual locations happen after February first, and that that process could be a couple months long. And then it really goes back to the province to uh, close the loop on the licensing on their side. So I mean, as early as you know. March, April, May, uh, we could see uh, storefronts uh, operating in Penticton. If you had the opportunity to say either to the province or to the feds, something that they could have done differently, which would have helped the city of Penticton in that, is there anything that comes to mind? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I feel the, you know, the, the province was a little bit later than some of the other provinces in coming out with their... Um, their framework. Um, so we had questions over how much control at the local level we would have. Um, but uh, I think since they made their decisions, uh, you know, you have to be sympathetic with the fact that everybody's sort of dealing with this um, federal 
direction and uh it's it's been yeah I, i'm assuming that even at the the provincial level it's been an interesting time for them as well yeah so. i'm sure you're right well thank you very much for taking some time to speak with us today blake i really appreciate getting a better understanding of what's happening in the city of penticton it it sounds like you got things together and, and we're looking for stories to come up in spring or summer next year sure no not a problem excellent thank you and you enjoy the rest of your day sir thank you It is really interesting to get a sense of how much effort it takes for these cannabis retailers to go through the process at each municipality and the provincial government to get a store in front of us where we can go and buy our cannabis. And now we're going to move down the highway a little bit, up Highway 97 from Penticton. We're going to stop now in the city of Kelowna. And I'm pleased to have another discussion, this with the community planning manager for the city of Kelowna, Ryan Smith. And we pick up the conversation just after I have welcomed Ryan to the podcast. Thank you, Gary. Yeah, I'm glad you could take some time to answer some of our questions and provide perhaps a bit more clarity, as I'm sure you're getting asked that question a lot. Every day. <laughs> Every day, exactly. And in fact, I'm going to start with the biggest question of the ball, Ryan. And so how has legalization impacted planning here in the city of Kelowna? Uh, certainly, um, it impacted um, our resources. Normally, in a planning department, uh, we do a lot of permitting for you know commercial and residential developments and subdivisions and those typical things. Um, part of our business is also liquor licensing. So, as an extension to that, uh, when cannabis legalization came up, uh, it was my team who uh, has been on the leading edge of that uh, probably for the last year and a half. And your team has been doing a lot of work in that last year and a half as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've been watching for the various levels of government, the the, prov- the, the federal government, the province, to let us know, um, you know, how we can regulate it at the local level. And then once we knew how, there was a discussion to be had with uh, our local politicians about, you know, um, how how we regulate it uh, with the tools that we've been given, uh, which has sort of led us down the road to the uh, the um, system that we have in place today. I'm curious. Did you have to hire any additional staff? to handle the load that cannabis legalization generated? Uh, no, we used, we used uh, uh, resources that, sort of, that we had internally. And uh, we just uh, it's hard to hire a, a new person who doesn't understand our processes to, to deal with something like that. And uh, I know that uh, it just other things took longer because of it, unfortunately. And that's just sort of the, the environment that we work in. But, uh, um, you know, I think that the, the, the legalization impacts meant that it wasn't just my department. We have... Um, Business, our bylaws, uh, bylaw officers, for example, and our city's lawyer who has spent a lot of time uh, working with the, the illegal retailers in town, making sure they're shut down so that uh, when the, um, the ones that go through the proper permitting processes over this winter um, get approved, uh, that you know there's not unfair competition going on. So that was, in fact, one of my other questions. So there was some consultation with the illegal market that existed throughout the Okanagan prior to legalization to get a sense of, of an approach. Is that what you were talking about? Uh, I wouldn't say consultation. Uh, I know that uh, we certainly discussed uh, with our, our council, um, you know, an approach to dealing with the uh, um, the, the the illegal, um, you know, retail dispensaries in town, and it was agreed that we should uh, do our best to shut them all down to level the playing field for the, for the, uh, the legal ones when they started to, to come on stream. From your perspective, what has been the biggest challenge that you've had to face so far? I guess I think that um, more public perception than anything else. I think everybody expected that um, you know, on October 17th, there would be a dozen legal retailers in town. And 
with the time with, with the time that we had and the tools available, uh, we didn't think, and I, I think our council agreed that that was the best uh, approach for the community, um, sort of like a free-for-all approach with a, a bit more of a premeditated approach with, uh, you know, a set of rules and criteria to evaluate applications by, and then uh, council review those one by one uh, was a bit better approach. And it really mirrors our approach to liquor licensing in Kelowna, where um, we get involved at the, the zoning stage on, on liquor, some types of liquor licensing applications for retail liquor stores and, and you know, larger you know, bars, for example. As you were facing all of these various challenges and we've had these applications come in, I think the last I heard there was 41 applications that are currently in the channel? Yeah, we accepted applications for a, a two-month period and we received 41 in total. And uh, we, we've gone through those 41 um, over the last few weeks now to determine, you know, which ones are, are they missing anything? Um, can, can we process them? And there's a few that uh, were withdrawn. There's a few that uh, remain incomplete. But it looks like we'll get um, somewhere between 31 and like 37 um, total applications by the end of this week. And then those will go into our, our committee review process in January. With what you've got facing you now, what's your best guess for when we're going to see a retail outlet here in Kelowna? Uh, my best guess is probably in July of next year, uh, although it could be a little bit quicker. And that's just based on all the steps that have to occur? Oh, yeah. I think we've got a review committee that is evaluating all of those 30-some-odd applications in January. And so each application will get a score. Those that score the highest uh, will move forward into the actual rezoning process. And that process will take four to six months, depending on the, the sort of the complexity of the rezoning application and um, whether or not council approves them. So if, you're, if, if those start to happen, uh, go into our system mid-February, February, March, April, May. So sometimes in, in, in May or June, uh, they may, the first ones may be getting um, final approval. And, uh, and some of them may do some tenant improvements um, at their own risk um, to retail spaces in advance. So, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, by, uh, by uh, June or July, uh, we could certainly see some open. And as I understand it, Ryan, the first application has to go to the province, and that has to have the approval of the city. Is that correct? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, so uh, the province uh, wants uh, the city's confirmation that the zoning um, is supported is supports the, the retail use, for example. So the city won't give the province any feedback on that until the, the rezoning processes for those who move through that process are, are completed. So someone could, could apply for a rezoning and move through that process without an application to the province and wait and do that afterwards. Have there been any stumbling blocks, Ryan, either for you or your staff that have been unexpected up to this point? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that certainly um, it's... Uh, a process that um, is, is a new one, and we did we did it before with liquor, though. So we kind of had an idea with retail liquor stores, um, the challenges that we faced, and we've got you know we've had a long, long-standing uh, relationship with uh, liquor and cannabis control at the provincial level. Um, that's uh, that's a good one, and so we've had great communication with them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, there will definitely be some hiccups along the way where we sort of scratch our heads and say, you know what. Um, there's a question or a scenario that we didn't anticipate. And um, the the one with, for example, when we're doing our um, uh, committee review of uh, applications and ranking them, we've said that any applications within the same area that score within 5% uh, would go into a lottery. But we haven't figured out, you know, how do you conduct a lottery fairly? 
So that's something that uh, uh, we haven't really sorted out yet. Uh, although one of our staff members does on a, a bingo wheel set. So um, that, that may be one of the ways we do it. Yeah, with well, that, you know, little baby <laughs> ping pong balls or something. So. Sometimes one needs to bring innovation to the table <laughs> to, yeah, to exactly. find the proper answer. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. One thing we are doing with that process, though, is we, uh, we hired uh, um, uh, someone to do independent oversight uh, of it. So uh, a consultant that will come in uh, from Grant Thornton and uh, make sure that when we're doing our assessment, we're following our criteria and uh, the analysis is fair and that they'll report out at the end of the process. And and that report will go on to a council so that uh, they can be assured that the applications that do come forward have been treated fairly. Well, thank you so much for the time you've taken to give us some answers to our questions, Ryan. Appreciate it. I have one final question for you. Let's assume that the federal government and the provincial government are listening. What advice would you give them that could have made your job easier with cannabis legalization? I think we rushed the the timing a little bit. I, I think that uh, um, someone at the province said it best to me. It's like they're it's like we're fly, all flying a plane, but uh, redoing the electronics and fixing the landing gear and deciding you know whether or not uh, we we like the uh, sort of the, the wings uh, or we want a different model wings all at the same time and. Uh, Rather, rather than um, lining it up, and um, you know, it, it, I think that certainly um, it's 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 working out, but it's kind of you're seeing it all over the province. The implementation definitely isn't isn't uniform, and all sorts of jurisdictions are doing all sorts of different things, which is uh, which is good, but it's also confusing, and there's a lot of bureaucracy. I think so. I think maybe if we'd taken a little bit more time uh, to think it through and work on it, we might have ended up with a a bit simpler system um, that was more sort of easy to implement across BC. That probably would have been sage advice, and I really love that analogy. I'm going to mm-hmm. remember that one. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah, you no enjoy problem, the Gary. rest of your day, sir. Yeah, I appreciate it. You too. Bye now. And with those conversations, we reach the conclusion of Episode 5 of the Cannabis Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the experience, and you'll be back for more. We are seriously contemplating moving into 2019. Forgetting how difficult it is to line up people who have been imbibing in cannabis at reliable times for interviews, it's becoming a little more difficult than we had remembered. So we are seriously contemplating moving to a bi-weekly format in 2019. So if there goes a week by where you haven't heard from us, don't worry. We'll be back. We're just getting things, better things, ready for the next episode. In fact, that's what we're doing now, lining up a bunch of interviews for 2019. So come on back for the next episode. That brings us to the conclusion of episode number five of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.